Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Outer Banks Season 3, Episode 1. Hoaglandia and episode two, the bells are over, but we're just getting started. I didn't choose the Pogue Life, the Pogue Life chose me. I'm Sarah Carradine, and I'm here with the mistress of Vauxhall. She owns the police. It's Mary Kwiatkowski. Hello, Mary. Hi, I'm doing great. Sarah, how do you feel having to do multiple podcasts that include a Vauxhall? It's, it's, I had to, yes, the spelling, it's Vauxhall, Vauxhall. Foxhole, yes, it's a Foxhole. <laughs> yes, it is. And I just realized that you're, uh, somehow it's taken three seasons to notice this. Your initials are the same as another character in the show, very close to Sarah Cameron. Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> it's always weird when there's Sarah's in shows. I don't know if you feel like that when there's Mary's do, in shows. I do, I do. I feel, and I just did my, just a little lift behind a curtain, I did my Survivor 44 draft the other day and I really didn't want to cast Sarah but I did so there you go I've got Sarah <laughs> oh yes I I completely agree with that in uh 
in Riverdale is the only show that I've I've had to deal with a Mary before, and we pretty much always just refer to them by their actors' names. So mm-hmm. there we go. But um, yeah, season three of Outer Banks already. Un- unbelievable because we waited for so long. And then suddenly we've got it all. Suddenly, yep. yeah, yeah. So we're, <laughs> yeah, we're recapping Outer Banks season three with full spoilers, everybody, and that includes full spoilers for events in season one and season two. Uh, we're going to talk about two episodes at a time. There are ten altogether, and they're going to be dropping every other day here on post show recap. So we hope you'll join us for the ride. Subscribe to the feed so you don't miss a minute of our coverage. Postshowrecaps.com slash binge and if you have a moment to rate and review please do so it makes a huge difference Uh, if you haven't watched season one and two lately and you'd like a quick catch-up our coverage is available on post-show recaps Uh, season one came out in 2020 and season two came out in July 2021 so Mary we've had quite a wait and these 29 year old teenagers have been pounding the (laughs) anti-wrinkle cream I think uh you know I think that, but at the same time, I look at them and they still all feel young to me. It's something about the just lack of clothing, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be, I mean, you'd have to, you'd be hanging on, wondering about the shooting schedule. Is it happening? Do I have to keep up my my diet, my weightlifting, stay out of the sun, (laughs) all of that? (laughs) I look, I mean, it's interesting. I did actually listen back to our coverage uh, just to see sort of where we were in August of 2021, uh, 18 months ago, and we just said, look, you just accept they're 16, otherwise don't watch the show. <laughs> but but I'm sure we probably mentioned, and maybe if not, I want to mention it now, you need to both accept that they're teenagers and also not think too hard about the fact that they are playing teenagers when you're in a grown adult watching a show <laughs> and going, wow, aren't these people pretty? <laughs> Yes, that's right. You're allowed to think they're pretty because none of them are actually, even at the time when we first talked about them, mm-hmm. uh, none of them were, were younger than 20. Still a bit of a gap, but we're allowed, <laughs> we're allowed to look. Do you remember our season three predictions, I wonder? I don't. I, I should have re-listened to the podcast, but now I'm feeling kind of excited that, that you know the predictions and I don't. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for this. <laughs> well, I'll start with one of yours. and. Uh, we agreed with it. You said that you hoped that season three was the last season. You said that we enjoyed this show so much. We were passionate about it, but you wanted season three to be the last season and that they tie everything up. You said there have been other shows, and you did name one, that (laughs) went on and on and on and they lose steam, they lose credibility. We're here, they have the opportunity to finish finish with season three, tie up the gold, tie up the crown, tie up whatever else is flapping around and get everybody back to the Outer Banks because they're not back there yet and a solid end, you said. And I have to say that uh, Asia Welsh, who was on the podcast with us and who will be doing the finale wrap-up with us here, we both agreed with you. Do you still feel the same? I do still feel that way. I 
I in the in an age where you never know if a show is going to be canceled and it always seems like they're canceling your favorite shows and renewing your least favorite for season after season, I would rather be assured that a show has an ending, that things get tied together and that you can come back and think about it fondly instead of uh, many, many shows that we've talked about on this network where they either get canceled too soon, run on too long where no one cares, or end before there's ever a, a conclusion. So I don't think that they've officially announced that this is guaranteed the last season, but I know that there are definitely some some people hoping and thinking that it might be. Yes, I, I think we, we both still think so. Um, my big prediction was that we would see the end of Rafe. Uh, that he would die because he's not going to change. We talked quite a lot in the other recap about characters changing over the two seasons, and I'm and we're all eager to see that continue in season three. But once I proposed that Rafe should end uh, because he cannot change, I think we all agreed. And certainly these first two episodes, spoiler, he's showing no, not a skerrick of change. See, that's so. interesting you say that because I think that we did see a different side of Rafe in this Ooh. episode. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get into that. Yes. Uh, he, he's marvellous looking uh, a man here. <laughs> Uh, Drew Starkey. I, I like was his very haircut. fond of him. I love his haircut. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he does. it looks better. It's, it's incredible. Yes, I, I, I'm sure I mentioned in the last podcast that he has been up there with my most hated TV characters. Yes, yes. So that has not changed. <laughs> <laughs> he inhabits it so brilliantly. Well, we will get to him. The other thing that we spent a long time talking about was my prediction about Kiara's real father. Mm. We felt there was a little bit of a retrofit in season two where Kiara's mother uh, had got pregnant to a pogue. Uh, we speculated about whether that pregnancy was actually Kiara. Uh, her, her father, as we saw, was not a pogue. So who was it? And I suggested that it was JJ's father because there was a scene at the end of JJ's father's storyline where he's alone in the car with Kiara and he says very meaningfully, tell your mother I said hello. Mm. Uh, one way that we thought that doesn't quite work is that the actress playing Kiara, Madison Bailey, uh, is a woman of colour and what her father is also and her mother is white and JJ's father is white. So we wondered whether there would be a retrofit, whether they would skim over that. And then you had the brilliant thought that Kiara's mother is JJ's mother and that was the pregnancy. Yeah, I think that's possible, but I don't I don't love the way that the end of season two and beginning of season three has hinted at a JJ Kiara romance and let's not Let's not have That's any. Not, I do not want. <laughs> do not, either. Do not want yes, that. No, either no, one. <laughs> nobody wants that. So yeah. either either there is that uh, relationship that will have a revelation, or they'll drop that line and Kiara and JJ will have a romance. I mean, I did say like, why does everybody have to pair up? But it is part of the teenage romantic drama trope that everybody ends all the good people end up with someone in the end so let's see what happens there all right any more predictions for the season before we plunge in the main thing and 
the first two ex- episodes has colored this prediction a little, but we we both thought that season two did highlight the character of Pope quite a lot. And, and that was sort of Pope's story on top of the main story about John B. and Sarah Cameron. Um, and I think that this season is probably going to do a similar thing where it's becoming already feeling like it's part partially Kiara's story. And is it going to be, you know, are they going to lean more heavily into some of the uh, pogues that we haven't explored as much in the first two seasons? Yes, yes. And I think that in the first two episodes, we see that happening. We did also hope for a Pope and Cleo romance. <laughs> yes, which I think we're getting a little bit of tension there. So yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Because the first time that they met, she she beat him down and we thought, oh, this is a very promising start for a romance. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All Not right. quite enemies to lovers, but you no, know, close no. enough. <laughs> a nice sparring partner, because because she is uh, she is a wonderful character that we were just so happy to see arrive on the screens in season two. She left the scene for a few episodes, and then we all screamed and jumped around when we found out that she returned to the story at the very end. And we are going to start on the island of Poglandia which is an island somewhere in the West Indies, and they it's very survivor. They're collecting wood. They're making spears to spear <laughs> fish. They look, they look a little bit too clean, but I'll give them that because we find out they've been on the island for a month. It's an idyllic setting which within minutes changes and we go straight back into the breakneck speed of action that we've come to expect from Outer Banks and we don't draw breath for two episodes. What did you think about this beginning? Oh, uh, I felt like I, I got the survivor connection for sure when I was watching it. Um, I also thought not so much about how clean they looked, but how nourished they seemed. Um you know, they must have taken quite some supplies when they jumped off the boat at the end of season two, uh, the sort of shipping boat that they were on, um, because they, they do have a lighter. So that's good. So that can kind of explain how they started the fires and everything. And they, they're just, yeah, catching, catching fish, eating coconuts, having a grand old time. It doesn't appear that they've necessarily tried to find a way off the island, um, but they are they are ready with a signal fire for when they end up seeing a uh, a plane above um so that's it, it was a, it was an exciting start it really kept us uh, the first two seasons so far have pretty much started the new season right at the end of the previous season no gap and and that's really how this felt um but you know it Maybe maybe they could uh, give some lessons to some of the people on Survivor about how to yes. just enjoy and relax <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> well, I, I liked very much the sitting around the campfire, talking or the beach fire, talking about basically, you know, would you go back if you could? And they all agree, no, they wouldn't go back and they love it here and they want to stay here forever. And then as soon as they see the plan, they're all jumping up and down and screaming and we see that they have a big signal fire lit. So I really liked that. You know, again, this complexity and layers that we've come to expect um, from the creatives, um, uh, Josh and Jonas Pate and Shannon Burke, who wrote it, uh, that, it yes, it's ostensibly this teenage adventure drama romance comedy uh, with a little bit of mysticism uh, with, uh, with the shroud coming in in season two, but that they still they don't miss an opportunity to have layers like 
we love it here. We want to stay. We never want to go back. Oh, oh, there's an opportunity to go back. Now we're all going to jump uh, up and down. Kiara and JJ being slightly less enthusiastic, perhaps. Yeah, it's it seems like Kiara and JJ are the only two who are really feeling like, no, this is our this is our paradise. Um, they're also the two who have. I'm not going to say the least to go back to because Kiara obviously has her family, um, but she she was going to be shipped off to to boarding school last time we we checked uh boarding school i believe in virginia which we talked about at length um, yes a boy a boys boarding school in virginia yes and so she uh she she probably is worried about the life that she would return to if she went back um and then of course we we know all about jj's uh, abusive father um <laughs> that's reminded me the one thing I did do before I started this season was go and watch the Netflix recap of season one and two. And the thing that jumped out at me most was just the ending of, of season two with all of the loved ones and family members of the missing teenagers. And that was the main thing that struck me. It was like, Oh, I, I'm really feeling for them. So I think that just comes with age. You, you start to feel less for the teenage characters and more for the <laughs> and adults involved who are looking and, and even poor topper going to, <laughs> to look for Sarah Cameron at her house. So hopefully there is a nice, happy reunion around the corner, not in the first two episodes though. So <laughs> no, I think we'll have to, we'll have to wait for reunions and be, they happy or not because there may be some that uh, that are not so uh, they do get rescued by the plane of course uh and the plane goes down and crashes of course uh, we noticed that in the first two seasons there's not a single vehicle of any kind that these pogues get into that doesn't crash burn or explode apart from the wonderful vw van so they were on dirt bikes they were in rickshaws they were in trucks they were in jeeps and they all burnt exploded and <laughs> fell over uh so similarly they couldn't get in a seaplane without the seaplane uh, crashing uh, into the sea the pogues will escape uh, except Kiara who goes back for the unconscious pilot and because she does that she gets captured. Yeah what did you think of uh, the I'll, I'll say the, the late Jimmy? <laughs> I liked the late Jimmy. I liked the late Jimmy. He had a very well you know nobody on the Outer Banks is ever dead unless uh, no, they're never really dead unless they are a, a background goon. So we can believe that Jimmy's dead if we say he's a background goon, but he, he seemed to have a bit too much uh, life and character to be that. Uh, I liked Jimmy. He was that exact balance of if I thought he was trustworthy, I could see him as trustworthy. If I'm suspicious of him, everything that he does is suspicious. Yes. So this was very nicely balanced. How about you? I felt the same way. I felt like... If I were the Pogues, I would be suspicious because at this point they've had almost everybody turn against them. They've had uh, officers turn against them. They've had people on um, various islands turn against them, boat captains, their own families. So I can see how they'd be reading into it, uh, it, it particularly Sarah, who must be traumatized with both her father and her brother trying to kill her in the previous season, um, just living under constant worry that they are going to be coming after her, uh, which turns out to be not entirely unfounded of a fear when uh, it turns out that Jimmy has been working for, um, as you said, the, uh, the the kingfish of, of Vauxhall. <laughs> Carlos. Yes. 
the mar- the marvelous Carlos. So, so Chiara gets taken to Foxhorn to be locked in a room with uh, dresses in various sizes. Now, Mary, if you were <laughs> captured by armed men and taken to a mysterious house and locked in a room, and there was a very lovely but extremely skimpy red silk dress in three <laughs> sizes in the wardrobe. Would you be putting that gown on or would you have a shower and put your dirty old clothes back on? This is such a trope. I can't count the number of times I've seen this exact thing of person gets kidnapped, taken to, you know, suspicious house with wealthy person and then has outfits laid out for them to wear. Uh, At least this one brought in the the element of, here, I don't actually know your size, so like here's a few options, (laughs) which is pretty funny. But I mean, this has happened in almost everything from from like, you know, romances to horror movies to it happened in Riverdale in one season. People got kidnapped and and (laughs) woke up in a creepy (laughs) locked room with some outfits laying out for them. So I I would not do this. But I would probably not put on the dress. Uh, then again, Jimmy did tell Kiara, if you want to live, comply with whatever they tell you. So I am self-preservationist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe um, the, I, I this is jumping slightly ahead to episode two. But the, the thing that I was thrilled about was the fact that she clearly also gets a, a, a two-piece pant pajama outfit at some point and then decides to wear that instead of changing back into the dress which I really appreciate because it is a huge pet peeve of mine of people trying to uh run away and do dangerous events in in movies while wearing a dress um it's Mm -hmm. just very impractical so the the second you can get someone in pants I'm happy (laughs) (laughs) I'm always fond of the woman escaping in high heels and uh, evening gown where she kicks off the heels and rips the bottom of the gown off. And I think, yes, that's exa- that's a practical yeah. thing to do. You're going to have to yes. give me a sewing kit to, to turn it into pants in order to, <laughs> to feel comfortable running away. Well, perhaps Kiara has more self-preservation than I do because, yes, she does, she does put the red dress on, but I hadn't picked up that idea of Jimmy's warning to comply. And then we have a rather grim, he's ready with a knock at the door. Let's go to Guadeloupe. Guadeloupe, which is 404 kilometres away from Barbados there. I looked on a map. I did my googing. Uh, so Vauxhall and the Pogues uh, are, are all on uh, on uh, um, the uh, the island that Barbados is on. Yes. Uh, sorry. Geography is not my strong suit. I do love maps. <laughs> uh, and on Guadeloupe we find Cam- the, the Cameron men, yes. Ward, the father, in a coma. And Rafe, the, I'm not going to call him evil. I'm going to call him uh, uh, chemically imbalanced son. Mm. So were you surprised to see Rafe in a, I mean, not Rafe, a ward in a coma, considering that he was at least somewhat communicating at the end of season two when he had, I mean, he got hit on the back of the head uh, by John B or sort of John B had pushed him against a railing on the boat in their struggle. And at first we thought maybe he was going to die, but of course, like you said, nobody dies on this show. And especially John B, our hero cannot murder someone. Yes. Out of the question. Yes. So um, I was surprised to see him in a coma. and, And of course my first instinct came from more of a producery side, which is, is this a way of, of uh, not having, oh, what is his name? 
Charles. No, what is his name? <laughs> Ward Cam Protector. Yes. Yes. Uh, Charles e- e- Easton. Yes. Yes. I- is this a way of having him not be in the show as much? Is this a way to have just Rafe have a bigger role? What do you think? First of all, I do think it's a coma of convenience. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd have to get Dr. Amanda to tell us. I'm sure you can be hit on the head, be communicative, and then later fall into a coma because, you know, we do the one, one thing we all know about concussion is don't go to sleep. Uh, so it may be uh, medically possible. I do think it is a coma of convenience. And it means that it leaves Rafe free to, you know, act on his own behalf. He tells Cameron, uh, sorry, he tells Ward that the gold is in the vault. So that's good. We know where the gold is, the stolen gold. Uh, And he is going to try and sell the cross, which belongs to Pope's ancestor, Denmark Tanny. He's going to try and sell it through an antiquities dealer, Michelle, saying, I have a client who might be interested. And what would you know? (laughs) it's going to be the master of Vauxhall. Yes, and and this is a fun way of getting a new pairing we haven't seen that much of, of of Rafe and Kiara in the same place. Um, And uh, the other thing that I like about the whole Carlos-Vauxhall connection is immediately Sarah Cameron and Kiara both assume that Jimmy has been working for uh, Ward. And when they ask him at separate moments, both times, he's like, Ward, who, who's, who's Ward? No, no, no. I'm working for someone much bigger. And I love just the idea that the big bad from the first two seasons is now, you know, a small fry compared to, compared to this kingpin. Yes, asleep and uh, out of yes. the picture. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, what did we think of Carlos now that we meet him? Kiara comes down in her red dress and finds Rafe is already there. Uh, this is uh, Andy McQueen, the marvellously named Andy McQueen. Smooth as silk. Gorgeous. What did you think? I, I liked this character so far. I think that something about the sort of calm but clearly threatening uh, presence, I find more, more, I don't know, pleasing to watch than the more obviously suspicious and um, conniving Ward Cameron. Like Ward, it doesn't take too long to know that Ward is not what he seems. Um, Whereas with, with uh, this character, I'm like, maybe there's, Maybe there's a deeper meaning. Maybe they, uh, <laughs> maybe they'll, maybe they'll not necessarily turn good, but maybe they'll be reasonable to work with. I don't know. Um, I just, I, I love think, Carlos. <laughs> I think that I think that character would call himself a reasonable man. I can imagine him saying, "I am a reasonable man," but ruthless. Oh yeah. So okay. So what is Carlos's game? Mm-hmm. What does he know? Why did he send Jimmy to look for them? And I'm going to gloss over how they knew that it would be Kiara who would be captured. Uh, well, maybe they have a bedroom was... laid out for each person with an outfit. Ah, a, gown, a gown for it's each. It's a big complex. <laughs> He's got a lot of money. So what, what's, his, what's his game? Yes. So it, it seems like, you know, we spent the first two seasons on this 
a treasure hunt quest for first the merchant gold and then second the, the cross, both of which um, were originally on the same boat um, and that Denmark Tanny was on a separate boat that <laughs> stole the gold and the cross from the first boat and then one went up in flames and it was all a big all a big deal that we spent the first two seasons on. And now it seems like Carlos is here saying, no, no, no. Those are only pieces of a much bigger quest and a much bigger, um, you know, treasure hunt. And of course, he wants to find El Dorado. <laughs> the lost city of gold. <laughs> the lost city of gold. It's real. So Did you know, it's Mary? real. It's real. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, my guess is what they're going to say is that the, the merchant gold and the cross both came from El Dorado, but they were just one shipment coming back and that the the city, the lost city exists somewhere and this is proof. And um, so it seems like Carlos was working, one of his minions was, um, let's see, I'm blanking on the name, but I wrote it down somewhere. Uh, the, the man who was um, captaining the sort of shipping uh, container ship that... Um, that Ward was on that had the cross. And so when that man told Carlos, Hey, this gold cross got on, got on our ship. And there were a bunch of kids who, who escaped, um, that Carlos says, okay, well, I need to find those kids and, and also the owner of the cross. And that's how he ends up getting both Kiara and Rafe in the same location, both of whom have something he wants. Yes, I think that that's very accurate. I think he's a man who has many, I imagine he has many eyes and many ears Mm -hmm. everywhere and that it is worth your while to pass him information, you know, either financially or for your own safety. And I like, as you say, the idea of the bigger bad and not only the bigger bad but the bigger treasure. It's not just the gold. It's not just the cross. It's not just the shroud. It's some kind of grand unifying treasure, <laughs> El Dorado, and it's as if he's been collecting parts of it uh, um, through throughout his life. He says he worked for everything that you see in front of you, and I can believe that. He wants something call- that he calls the diary. He wants Kiara to give him the diary, which is part of this collection of artefacts. She claims that she doesn't know the diary never heard of the diary I don't know her uh and Rafe is shocked to find that he's not the clever uh wheeler and dealer he thought he was where he could sell the cross to Carlos but that he and Kiara are both in fact his prisoners so I like that too that again this idea of Rafe building himself up to be to be what he thinks Ward wants him to be, mm-hmm. to be Ward's favourite child, which he will never be. Um, I like that, that that we saw through season one and season two, this was given to Rafe as a, motivi- as a motivator to live up to his father. And we, of course, know that his father is never going to say, good boy, well done, uh, which is Rafe's sadness. Uh, yes. Um, Rafe just continues to be the worst. Uh, he... <laughs> He uh, th- there's a there's an interesting scene in the the second episode where Rafe and Kiara are discussing how they they need to work together and Kiara's like well you know I I know that you killed um the uh, the uh, sheriff Peterkin in season one and Rafe says yes but I'm I'm just really a victim of this whole <laughs> this yes. whole scenario what was I supposed to do let my father 
you know, get, get taken in. Um, and nobody really thinks about this from my side. And he does admit that it was wrong of him to try and kill Sarah on multiple occasions. Uh, so uh, I guess good that there's some clarity there on that one. But uh, yeah, he just really has one motivation and it's making his father proud and doesn't realize that uh, his father is is probably a little beyond being proud of, of everything that uh, both himself and Rafe have done. Um, yes, and I think yeah. Ward kind of knows what Rafe is and who Rafe is Mm -hmm. and there was a a stunning scene in season two where Rafe comes to his father and basically says daddy I think I'm not well yes and Ward says don't snap out of it snap out of it snap out of it now I believe that I, I can't remember if Kiara is telling the truth when she says she doesn't know where the diary is. I, I believe Pope has the diary and that he hid it somewhere at his parents' house, but now I can't remember on that one. Yes, there there is a diary. Pope has it. I do not remember the location, but I think Kiara quite rightly is going to say, no, no diary, don't know it. I've, I've never heard of it. Right. Initially. And- Initially. And I, I don't believe that anybody on the island has it. I believe that it is back in the Outer Banks. Yes. I mean, we have to get back to the Outer Banks, so it's yes. nice if there's an artifact there to to go for. I mean, meanwhile, the Pogues are looking to break into Vauxhall, break into the heavily guarded compound. As always, they go in with no plan at all. We'll just go in. We'll just go over the fence and we'll go in. Uh, but uh, they are beaten back by guards and dogs. And as soon as they're back over the fence, the guards and the dogs don't seem at all interested in them uh, after all. So they do get away unscathed with yet another of their extremely poorly devised plans. I I was scared when they were running from the dogs. Um, my... I remember my grandfather told me once when I was a kid and I, was, I used to go out into a, a cow pasture and sort of tease the cows and run away from them and he told me at one point you know that that, that anything with four legs could could run faster than something with two legs <laughs> if i if i let it have the chance so uh to not <laughs> not mess with with animals with four legs um so i was nervous about that but luckily you know we we spent so much of the early episodes of season 2 worrying about people who were not only trying to run away but also trying to survive from injuries and illnesses and gunshot wounds and things and i'm glad that we didn't have to deal with with someone having a, been maimed by a, a canine on their escape <laughs> Because could easily have had that. I do remember that once they started running, which was almost immediately within the first five minutes of the first episode. I thought, "Oh yes, I remember now. This is exhausting. There's yeah. no, there's no rest. Although it, it is beautifully paced, there are moments of narrative rest. But but these these teenagers uh, have no rest at all. Yeah, I mean, I like Kiara coming up with an idea of negotiating with Carlos. I like her cutting Rafe out, Rafe insisting that she needs him. Of course, uh, she feels that she doesn't until her plan doesn't work again. Not a particularly well thought out plan. She says, uh, look, I do have the diary, but you have to let me go alone to get it and then I'll bring it back and I'll leave you Rafe as a hostage. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Oh, keep Rafe. That's collateral here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't care. Mm-hmm. Probably but, should have pretended that she cared more about him. <laughs> yes, I think the, the the sheer loathing would have been very uh, obvious to to such a clever man as uh, Carlos. 
And we have to say that there are two other people on the island that uh, we're very interested to see. And one of them is Big John. Yes. This is John B.'s father, who John B. thought had died, lost at sea, nine months before the events of season one, uh, which we learnt in flashbacks were was uh, because Ward pushed him. He hit his head. It's a lot of pushing and hitting heads. Yes. Uh, and then rather than getting him uh, help, because they were going to share the gold and Ward now wants all of it, he flipped him over the edge of the boat and into the water. Big John survived. Uh, and who should have turned up at the end of season two to tend to him? But Limbery, the mysterious woman from season two, a little bad in the in the midst of all of this, who is impaired in some way and wants the shroud that will cure her illness. And we're still unclear on exactly how uh, Big John has survived for these last many years or however long it's been. Nine months. Nine months? Is that it? (laughs) Oh, no. I felt like it's been... (laughs) Years. It feels uh, it's years for us, but yes. as you say, season the end of season one into the beginning of season two was no time, and season two into season three was one month. Oh my so, goodness! Yes, yes. So it's, not it's, long. It's, so it's not long. Uh, so we don't know how he got off the island that he was sort of marooned on. We don't know how he's alive. We don't know who's been taking care of him. We don't know what his connection to Limbry was before he was killed um it seems like they have one limbry mentions a few times things about oh this is why you were you were never able to stand up to ward because you didn't think about the details and so we know they have some past history but we're not quite sure exactly what it is um and we we don't know uh, why he trusts her, wants to work with her. She seems to be sort of funding everything that he's doing at the moment, and she's agreeing to help him get John B. back as long as uh, she he helps her find the shroud that we are still confused about because we've yet to get to see a shroud. Is that right? Yes, she thought she had the location of a, th- a shroud in in uh, season two, and it marvelously fell into dust in her hands, which is which mm, which we yes. love. But then I think there was some idea that that actually wasn't the real shroud. So her she is mysterious. What she wants is mysterious, and whether it exists is mysterious. But I like her. This I, I loved her in Lost. Uh, and here she is again with this. I mean, she's translucent. She's almost see-through. She's perfect casting. And the relationship between Limbry and Big John, you can see it has weight. It has some years to it or some mm-hmm. time to it. They're ease with each other. So we don't know if they are partners, brother and sister, love it. We just, we don't know. And I love that. I love there still being surprises, even with the characters these are not new characters being introduced now these are characters that we know about but who our understanding of them uh has been deepened so mary and i are just going to do a quick escape room and we will be back in a moment with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, Mary, thank goodness she found that key under the vase. We never would have got out of there. I know. I know. This is why you have to read all of the little hints on the paintings. I know. I I just went in boots and all. You were you were following the uh, the Pogue the JJ. I, uh, very you much. sit there and think of it while I go go through yes. with my plans. <laughs> yes, and I'm not going to tell you my plan. I'm just going to say follow my lead. Yes, uh, and, uh, <laughs> off I'll go. I, I JJ is a slightly my spirit animal. I'm very fond of oh, that young he's, man. He's uh, exhausting for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about episode two, uh, which is yes. called the bells. Uh, if we thought that the action got going in episode one Woo! episode two I can't believe how much happened a lot uh you know there there are pieces since I watched them back to back there are pieces of the Rafe Kiara storyline that I felt sort of blended right from the first episode to the second but um in terms of the rest of the pogues we move all around the map uh we are just trekking across Barbados having chase scene after chase scene plans and not not as many plans uh lots of luck so i i liked episode two a lot i definitely thought we were going to get a little bit more of an ending but those darn cliffhangers mm-hmm. those darn dangling over an empty elevator shaft moments oh i like um, that sequence that yeah, was, fun. <laughs> it was so good yeah, so Cleo, Cleo puts them in an abandoned hotel, uh, which uh, JJ has the great idea of booby trapping. And su- surprisingly, it works, but it only works insofar as it works. It's, there's no thought for the future. No, no. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, this is one of those scenarios where the, the, uh, the group of armed guards who are coming after them <laughs> uh, uh, do, the, do the trickle in. Um, which gives <laughs> gives the children enough time to trap a few and then escape before the rest of them come in. Uh, you got you must swarm and overwhelm. That's that's how you take teenagers yes. down. That's why that's why you need Mary in charge of those those armed men, the ex British SAS uh, oh. boys. Who uh, the leader said, "You stay here." Took one other person in with him, and then said, "You stay here, and I'll go up the stairs towards a mysterious calling voice." I mean, if this was world's toughest test, I think there'd be a few Muppets and fails being shouted at those SAS boys. I loved uh, JJ imitating Jimmy 
um, using his voice and, and calling, oh, just co- just come up the stairs now, just a few more, just around the corner. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not at all suspicious. And here with JJ with the very light fingers has stolen not only Jimmy's wallet but also Jimmy's phone yes. uh, and sent a text. This is a lovely scene. He sends a text to Carlos as if he's Jimmy saying, I've captured them, I know where they are, not knowing that Carlos just shot Jimmy not not uh, not a few moments ago. It was uh, I really liked this interlocking. If Jimmy had to die, I'm glad that he died for such a such a great sort of narrative line there. <laughs> yes, quite great. Um, also, I didn't mention in the first part, but there's something frustrating about watching um, from the start of this season. Everywhere they go, they're being just watched and chased down by by these various armed men who work for Carlos, and it, it feels it feels illegal, right? Like, well, how how can they just just capture you know children out in the open and take them wherever they want and hold them there aren't they afraid but but no i guess they just have amassed a lever, level of wealth and power that uh they don't think anyone's coming after them and it's uh it's a scary thought carlos owns the police right we yes. hear this quite early, and I like that because it takes away that idea. Not that, that these these particular teenagers would ever go to the police, no. but it takes away that safety that, well, why didn't they just go to the police? They yes. know they can't, so that so that they are abandoned. But, yes, again, like the coma of convenience, it's the uh, withdrawal of police support of convenience. Uh, and I like this judicious use of mobile phones. You often think in contemporary you know thrillers or horror films Mm -hmm. well if you just use your phone right so you have to deal with your phone's out of battery or your phone smashed or you if you do a contemporary film or television you or a play you have to deal with what about phones but here they've they've completely flipped it and use the phones for such a great plotting device, including that Carlos just texts him and says, well, we know where you are because JJ did not turn off location support. Yes, uh, and I love I love the concept that, that Jimmy would not have locked his phone either. Uh, slightly less believable that the person Kiara steals a phone from also hasn't locked their phone, but, yes. you know, that's fine. And I have one other nitpick in, in that particular scene, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, the phone thing is very interesting because the the Outer Banks, even when they've been in, in the actual Outer Banks, um, there's a lot of reasons why you might believe that someone's phone might not be working. If you're out in the middle of the water or you're in the swamps or you're, you know, being chased around where you barely have clothing and food, much less cell phone service or battery power, um, you know, it makes more sense that they wouldn't always have a reliable phone to use. Um, Where I even found myself in these episodes wondering, uh, how does that phone still have charge? (laughs) But, uh, But it's also convenient that they're not um, they're not on their home turf. And so this is an area where they must take phones that, you know, they don't have money and they don't have their own devices. So they, <laughs> they have to rely on JJ's sticky fingers, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, in order to do this. But, but yeah, the one thing I, I will say about Kiara taking the other phone later is that she's going to take a picture and, and presumably send it to herself. And instead of typing in a phone number, I noticed that she just typed in her name into the send as if that person had her in context <laughs> i was like that's yes. not right <laughs> that 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 phone was was very tricky so kiara and rafe uh, set up a 
a commotion inside the room that they're locked in and their guard comes in to investigate alone, uh, goes around a corner, you know, it's fine. These guards are, are perhaps, uh, perhaps they're, they're the B, the B grade guards. <laughs> so they, they put him down, they take his gun, they take his phone, which is apparently unlocked. I mean, they could easily just have put it in front of his face to, to unlock it. True. Uh, let's <laughs> assume that yeah, yeah can we just assume that Kiara did this Probably. they run to Rafe's boat which we know that that's how he got from Guadalupe to to uh, Barbados so the, the boat you know ha- has uh, has a history with us we know there's a boat she's reluctant to get on the boat she says how can she trust him he says he will take her and not the others so this is why she should trust him because He's, if he was lying, he would say that they would wait for the others. But it is, in fact, Rafe who should not have trusted Kiara, perhaps. I I understand why she did this, but the logical part of me was saying, no, don't push Rafe off the boat. Just, I don't know, tie him up or something because he's at least, I mean, they, they've escaped. He could probably get away. He'll probably be okay, most likely. But... Uh, I just feel like he's going to be a problem now where he he almost wasn't. We almost had an alliance between these two. And I I liked the scene of them working together. This is the most I have liked Rafe so far where the, where the scenes of them escaping together. Um, it was it, it, at the point where she pushes him off the boat and he says, you know, I'll, I'll, he screams after her, I'll come get you. You're dead for this. Like, do you want him to... I don't know. I I almost hope episode three starts with the uh, the Pogues somehow going back for <laughs> going back for Rafe and picking him up out of the water, just so that he's not going to be hunting them down for stealing his boat. Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but now you say it, that that makes complete sense. Uh, incapacitate him, tie him up. Yeah. Go and meet the Pogues. Um, their reaction to seeing Rafe on the boat would have been very interesting. Although I'm not sure how she would tie him up by herself. Um, mm, he's a big, strong man. Yeah, mm. I'm not. I'm not sure. Boat on hook, that a one. quick, a quick boat hook to the head. I don't know. <laughs> that seems to be boat hook what. To the head. Ward, yeah, just yeah, that's slam how his Ward, head into the railing. <laughs> that's what Ward Ward would do. Yeah, um, yeah. I was also surprised that Kiara. I thought the way that she was going to escape was going to be appealing to the guard that she kept trying to contact and, and kept trying to get him to listen to her. Um, and then instead they just they just uh, attack him and knock him out. <laughs> That's right. Tie him up. Yes. So she sends a text. I had to I had to really think about the how this worked. She sends a text to dead Jimmy's phone, yes. which is in the hands of the Pogues. And I had to really think back to how did she know that the Pogues had Jimmy's phone? But I realised, of course, that the text came in from the Pogues to Carlos, apparently from Jimmy's phone, and he showed showed it to her. So yes. we just uh, hope that the guard has Jimmy's number in his phone. We will under assume Jimmy. So. We'll just assume that. Uh <laughs> As long as I can make it work, as I say, you know, when we said this in the first two seasons, there are some things don't think too much about it. But I think when you get to technology that we all know really, really well, there has to be a thread at least running back that we uh, that we can that we can follow. So she says, "Come and meet me." But meanwhile, something else has been going on, Mary. Yes. <sighs> so. 
I was wondering why this was going to be important, but apparently it is. Uh, Ever since John B. was a child, his father would call him in with the church bell that he had out in the yard, um, as you do. You know, some people ring a little triangle. Some people have (laughs) flipped the light switch on and off. But no, he would ring uh, a very specific tune on the church bell out in the yard to call John B. in for dinner time. And um, it was not explained for quite a while that there was a specific uh, tune that he was uh, performing on the bell. I thought it was just generic bell ringing, which is why I was confused when John B., uh, suddenly recognizes the sound of some church bells up on the hill. Um, and, and I'm like, okay, they're church bells. I get it. You used to be called in, but no, no, no. It's a very specific beat being played out on the church bells um, that he recognizes from his father. Uh, and and yeah, it seems like um, Limbury has paid off a church to allow Big John to ring the church bells every hour and uh, no matter where the pogues go on this island, they're able to hear, hear that church. Must be a small <laughs> island. It must be. And it, it's supposed to be every hour, but uh, towards the end of the day, uh, Big John is just doing it over and over again. I think it's uh, long, long, short, short, long. Uh, so I meant to look up on Morse code what that might oh. be. Mm. Uh, so John B. has been hearing it. He knows it can't possibly be his father because his father's dead, long lost, these nine months out to sea. But nonetheless, so they meet Kiara, they find Kiara. I wrote in my notes, there is too much hugging out in the open. Get on the GD boat. Uh, She has the boat. She's off the boat. They're all hugging on on the wharf. Get on the boat. They do. John B. hears the bells again. He looks wistful. He's like a a wonderful uh, golden retriever. Head to one side. And Sarah, of whom I will speak in a moment, says, I know I have to let you go and look because I have to let you go and look. You'll You'll never say the end of it. There's a very strange thing where she says he said he'd be back by now. It's a very long way to that church. I'm not sure what they thought the timing was going to be. But again, as we said quite often in our uh, season one and season two recap, these are teenagers with very short forward thinking. They don't have long forward thinking. So I saw that as that uh, impulsiveness. And he runs off to the church. He nearly makes it up the tower, uh, but he has to stop and just hope that it's going to be Big John, hope against hope. It's going to be Big John. And meanwhile, Carlos's men arrive at the wharf and the Pogues have to leave on the boat, taking off without John B. And this is a trope that we see again and again over three seasons or two, two seasons and the two episodes that we have so far. No Pogue left behind, but we mm-hmm. are very good at discarding one or another of the Pogues <laughs> somewhere uh, through circumstance that then the other group has to go and, and rescue. I like that. It's a it's an adventure time a teenage drama trope that I that I appreciate very much. So so I liked this that we end episode two on not so much a cliffhanger, but as we feel the parting of the larger group from John B. And how will it ever be resolved? And it seems like uh, I believe Sarah gave John B. a phone, so I think he has one of the phones 
I think she said, here, take this before he runs off. I, I'll, I might have to recheck that, but they have two the Jimmy phones. Phone. Yes, they have the, the Jimmy phone and the yeah, card Yeah, so phone. she probably yes. gave him the Jimmy phone. So hopefully if he does, in fact, find his father at the beginning of episode three, that uh, they, he will be able to contact them and say, just go without me. I'll catch up eventually. Yes, yes. Um, Dad also, alive. Tell all later. I, I was really afraid that we'd get another trope that I really hate, which would be that somewhere along the way, as he's running to the church, the bells would stop and Big John would leave and give up and he gets there too late. But as far as we know, he's sitting right outside the church. Bells are still ringing. Um, now, can you repeat again what the uh, cadence was? It was long, long, short, short, long. So that's okay. either long, long, short, short, long, or it's long, long, short, short long so have you got yes. some more code there so we've got a couple options depending on what it is Ooh. if if the long longs um are so if, if everything is representing a separate letter then uh it's t-t-e-e-t so that's nothing if um if the long longs are representing one letter and then all three the other ones are representing each separate letters then we have meat so Ooh, that could be something if it's long, long, and then one short as one letter, and then the second short and the second long as separate letters, it would be get. So far, meat is my favorite potential like option. Yes. Um, what's um? What's dot dot dash as a letter? That would be U. So that would be. Mu, which is not Moo. a lot. No, we don't like that. Yeah, that's so. the cow. That's the cows in the field as you approach them to yes. tease them, where they're going moo, Mary, moo. Yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, not sure that it is uh, Morse code, but we have a potential. I like meat as being. I an, like. I like meat as an option. Like I'll have to yes. to listen again. I'm sure at the beginning of episode three, I'll get to hear more bells. We we'll get to hear more bells. Yeah. I said I was going to mention Sarah. I find her. The least interesting, and I try not hmm. to, but the, the the she she had more internal struggle where she said, you know, too much has passed in, in season two. Too much has passed. We have to we have to part. But of course, they are Romeo and Juliet. They are the star-crossed lovers. They must be together. And I must say, over two episodes, she's been there. I guess. I mean, I like that we're seeing more of Kiara. I like seeing Cleo and Pope having more development and maybe this is the Kiara storyline. Maybe Sarah's exhausted from having her entire family try to kill her, but I do I would like a little bit of a of a breakout for her. The last really interesting thing for her was when she and Kiara, who had been enemies, you know, became girl power and uh, mm-hmm. decided to work together. She is of all of them, for me, a little bit of a chess piece that's moved around. She is the one in danger that impels everybody else into action. So I I now, it's not a prediction, but my hope for Sarah over season three, not just because we share a name, is that she has more agency than just being the endangered one, the imperiled one, or the adored one. That's a not just a, a good prediction, but a good hope for character development. So I I would like that personally as well. Um, I I don't think I feel quite the same as you to start with, mostly because I feel such anguish for Sarah and for the people in her life. I think it's it's one thing to uh, be Little Miss Rich Girl 
with with uh, parents that care about you. And, and it's another to find out that the people in your life that you're tied to are complete monsters. Mm-hmm. So um, including your stepmother, Rose, who, who oh, yes. appeared briefly in episode one. Mm. Yes. So I, I feel like I feel for her, I feel for her younger sister who also is it, it probably even more confused because it doesn't know all of the extent of what her father and brother have done. Um, but but I do hope that we would get some maybe some Sarah led action would be nice. Um, I also feel like just in these first two episodes, almost nothing from Pope would like a little bit more of him. I know that he had a lot of strong things to do in season two, but, you know, that doesn't mean that you get to sit back for season three. So I'd like to see uh, him him step up as well. But um, but I've enjoying the I've been enjoying the Kiara action we've had so far. Yes. No, I'm, I'm, I have very few niggles in episodes one and two. And frankly, if I hadn't been taking notes on my second watch through to talk about it today, I, you know, I, I would be watching it probably slightly less critically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't take away my enjoyment to watch it critically, I have to say. I was very happy to see these characters back on my screen. I was very happy to take a deep breath and go plunging headlong into crashing modes of transport and running, lots and lots of running and lots of peril. Uh, mm-hmm. And it made me feel that I was in the same safe hands I had been in the first two seasons. So that's my hope and prediction for this season is is as good, if not better, than the previous ones. And then with your prediction and hope that it's wrapped up nicely, I think. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Oh. So consider becoming a post show recaps patron. Get access to early uh get early access, access to early podcasts, <laughs> early access to podcasts. You can get everything when you're a post show recaps patron. Any level gets you access to the Discord. Merch is available at higher levels and you can sign up at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps or postshowrecaps.com slash Patreon. You see, you can flip it either way. <laughs> and if you just want uh, some merch from Postshow Recaps, you can head to the store postshowrecaps.com slash store and that is your place to buy all Postshow Recaps merchandise, including T-shirts, mugs or a hat. Mm, a jaunty hat never goes astray. <laughs> uh, Mary, what do you have going on and where can the people find you? You can follow me everywhere at Frail Mary to keep up with my various podcasts and other adventures. I'm currently recapping Love is Blind over on the reality TV wrap-ups feed uh, with a new season coming out very soon. It just really never stops when it comes to dating shows. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm also gearing up for a couple new projects over on Kowski Cast. So hopefully there'll be some more exciting announcements about that soon, maybe before we're done podcasting about this we'll see what about you sarah well you can follow me at sarah carradine on twitter i host a a weekly true crime review podcast called crime scene that's s-e-e-n on rhap with the great murray fourth i'm writing about australian survivor heroes versus villains the best season of australian or any other survivor ever oh wow but it is a it is a very good season uh, and uh, not just Australians are saying that. So if you haven't got into it uh, and you want to dip your toe into Australian Survivor, it's a very good one. Yes, it's returnees, but you'll pick up the relationships as you go. You don't have to do homework. Uh, you can find my articles uh, over at Inside Survivor on uh, each week. And on Sight and Podcasts, I'm talking all things Taskmaster Australia with Ninja Warrior Sean Bryan and our guests. 
Thank you for joining us for this first recap. And remember, P-F-L. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.